Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide, that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, uh, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Uh, today I have uh, Garrett Saltpeter. He's associated with uh, NUFIT, N-E-U-F-I-T, which is a device that uh, appears to use electrical stimulation to help people work out better and to recover from injury and other associated problems. And I hope I've expressed it properly, but uh, welcome, Garrett. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. It's, it's awesome to be here. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah. Tell me about the uh, about your background. Like, How did you get involved with NewFit? Was this your own creation years ago, or what, what's your background like? Yeah, so we work with a lot of, of athletes and also other populations, but with athletes, you know, we help them recover a lot faster from injuries, from surgeries, help them activate their muscles better to improve movement patterns, maximize their workouts, all these things. And it's a large part of that is really inspired by, by some of my <laughs> experience. And, and what got me into this was an experience that I had back when I was playing college ice hockey. I had some torn ligaments in my wrist. I was supposed to have surgery and be out for a few months. And I ended up uh, through these, you know, these really just lucky serendipitous circumstances. I met a chiropractic neurologist who introduced me to these two concepts that became the really the, the underpinnings of, of our work. And one was functional neurology. And, and what that means is instead of just looking at the structure and tissues that we can also look at the neurological response to injury and trauma and how the brain and nervous system protect the body around that injury, shut down muscles, create tension in others. And, and I saw how managing that response and restoring function to those muscles so they could support the injured area as it heals and, you know, shut off blood flow, for example, to that or, or reduce blood flow to that area, which of course body needs to send those resources to help it heal. How I saw how that approach really helped optimize and accelerate the entire healing process. And I also saw in that experience 
how direct current could also accelerate and optimize healing. And going through that, I ended up healing ligaments in two and a half weeks instead of three months. I avoided surgery altogether. And it really created within me a calling to share this work with as many people as I could. So that really kind of changed the direction of what I was doing in my life. I was set to go to engineering school and uh, graduate school. I ended up completing a master's instead of a PhD, did additional work in neuroscience and ended up taking a detour on this path that led me to NewFit. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. So um, I've used the NewFit before. So I can say like, you know, you an area is hurting and you put these like gel pads on you and then the operator will turn on the current and you feel like a little bit of like a tingling or a buzzing. And as they raise it, it gets stronger. And then at some point, you know, I said, oh, okay, that's enough. And then you get these pads on you buzzing your muscles. And then, you know, you do various therapies from there, or maybe you sit there, but um, it always seems to help. I I feel better after, um, I guess I usually do it in, you know, with workouts, but it just always seems to help, but it's like, it just feels subtle. It doesn't feel like it is helping, but then it does. It's weird. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad it's kind of a cool small world story that you happen to have gotten to experience it and um, that all that is, you know. It's cool that we happen to be here and know some of the same people. Like, where do people tend to use it? Uh, do they use it to improve their workouts or do they use it for wound healing? Like, what are the, the different ways in which you can use NuFit? There's this whole spectrum of, or, the, or continuum of care from early stage recovery from sports injuries, people, patients recovering from surgery, patients who have had strokes or spinal cord injuries or have lost function because of MS and, and doing work to restore movement and function and sensation. And then there's once people are well or meet those initial recovery milestones, then there is an application in fitness and performance and ongoing wellness and optimization and recovery. And the, the reason that there's applications along that whole continuum of care is because the common thread throughout all of those stages is the nervous system. The nervous system regulates and controls the healing response to injury and trauma and surgery. It controls, of course, function and the loss and and regaining thereof after stroke or other brain injury or spinal cord injury, et cetera. And then it also controls movement and athletic performance and and also health and well-being. You know, nervous system controls our organs. It controls heart rate, blood pressure, digestive and elimination function, reproductive function, our thoughts and emotions and hormone releases. So there's a, there's a lot of applications. And at the at the beginning, when we're talking about, you know, at the beginning of that pain and injury patients and surgery also, we should mention is, is part of that surgery is like an injury. It's just intentional and it's actually more severe. So whenever there's, there's an injury or trauma, including, including the trauma of surgery, the body protects and guards around that. And that actually is a large part of what slows down and impairs the overall healing process. And so managing that helps one, it helps restore function Two, it helps reduce the healing process. And three, it helps us discover how much of that issue is actually structural versus how much of it is functional. So I'll give you one example to, to kind of describe what I mean by that. There's a um, really good story that I mentioned in the in the New Fit Method book that that uh, I wrote that we released a couple months ago. And there's a story in there about a college football player who we were working with in the athletic training room. And he, five days prior to us getting there, he had a grade two to two and a half separation of the, 
of his AC joint. So it's, you know, shoulder separation and there's some tearing in that ligament tissue. It's not completely torn in half, but it's a pretty substantial partial tear. And after five days, he still could only lift his arm up about 30 degrees. So he's only lifting it up, you know, of just a little bit away from his side. And they thought it was going to be a few weeks to recover because they thought it was more structural. That it was going to be more just giving the ligaments time to heal. And we happened to be there and they, they brought him out. They said, Hey, can you show us what it's like? Work on this guy, see if you can help him. And, and we did this mapping process. We scanned around on his body to identify where those neurological responses to injury and trauma, where they were being imposed on the body and then stimulated those areas to reset that. And, and we, so we had the pads on, like you described, had him going through movements. He was lifting up his arm. After a few minutes, he got his arm all the way up to horizontal. A few more minutes, a few more minutes, his arm was all the way up overhead. And he looked up and he said, what the heck? He used profanity, but he said, what the heck did you just do to me? And the answer is, you know, in, in seven or eight minutes, it's obviously not anywhere near long enough for his ligaments to heal. So it wasn't structural. What we did was help him recalibrate that functional response to injury and trauma, change the the software of the nervous system instead of just working with the hardware of the, the ligaments, tendons, bones, muscles, and other tissues. And for him, even though he did have a structural injury, even though there was damage to the hardware, his biggest limitations were actually in that software realm and so recalibrating that got him to the point where, yes, he still had some healing to do, but he had full range of motion and no pain. So he was able to resume workouts with the team. He did a couple more treatments and then he played in their next game, you know, a few days later. So he didn't end up missing any more time when he thought he was going to miss a few weeks. He didn't have to. And we see that often because that functional response to injury so often does delay and hinder the overall recovery process. And we find that mm. by pri- prioritizing that, it often leads to these you know, really, really wonderful and, and sometimes seemingly miraculous outcomes. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now, back to the show. You, you mentioned a couple of times that the body will guard an injury. What, what are some of the things that the body does that aren't productive, you know, when you get injured? Yes, I love that question. It's uh, because it's really kind of counterintuitive or just, you know, kind of a different perspective. The Our brains are oriented towards survival and protection. And so our brains always want us to do less, not more. Our brains want us, you know, it's sort of like the, the example of uh, if someone gets really nervous about public speaking, that's that's the brain trying to prevent you, if you're the person who's ner- nervous about it, brain trying to prevent you from going out there and embarrassing yourself and possibly getting kicked out of the tribe or something like that, where where there could be survival implications. If you really went and embarrassed yourself in front of everyone and they said, we're kicking you out of the tribe, you could be on your own, you know, back in the caveman days and left to fend for yourself. And it could be a survival risk. So the, there are these deeply rooted 
mechanisms related to sur- survival and protection. And in that example of being afraid to go public speaking, I think we can see how in many instances, it's an overreaction, right? There's not really a true threat to survival if we go out and do that. And yet we have that tremendous fear as if there is. And in just the same way, the brain and nervous system can overreact to these sorts of things like that football player who had couldn't lift his arm more than 30 degrees from his side and had significant pain. For him, the the protective patterns that, that guarding that we described, it's, there's, there's a combination. There's three main ones that we talk about. One is creating tension in some muscles. Two is turning off and shutting down others. And both of those are meant to restrict movement, right? If you have tension, it, it holds you in place. If you shut off some muscles, you can't move into certain ranges. And then the third one is pain, which is the brain's way of saying it's, it's an active output signal by the brain. The brain's way of saying, stop, don't do that. Don't go there. Do something different. And all of those are part of this suite of protective responses. All three of them were present with this person and are present in in most injuries or most of these types of situations. And as we saw in that example, that really was an overreaction. You know, his nervous system, like he, he didn't need to be reacting so significantly, but it was just, just the same way as someone overreacts with their fear if they're going to go public speaking. That for him was an overreaction. We helped him recalibrate that to the point where he had an appropriate reaction, not an overreaction. And in doing so had, you know, that led to, that's kind of the underpinning of how to create these really transformative recovery experiences. What is the, I mean, literally, what is the new fit doing when you put it on someone is going, what's that, what's happening? So there's, there's two main parts. One is identifying where those issues are. And then two is stimulating the brain and nervous system in a way that you can reset or re-educate them. And to kind of create the, the context for this so that it makes sense, we have to describe at least a little bit the difference between direct current and alternating current. So most electrical stimulation devices out there in the world, the TENS units, Russian stim, you know, what you've seen at most chiropractic or physical therapy offices, you know, thankfully you, Richard, have, you know, you've used ours, so you've experienced this, but, you know, most people listening, if you've experienced electrical stimulation, it's typically going to be alternating current. And when you turn it up to a high enough level to really make a difference in this realm of turning muscles back on, re-education, neuromuscular impact. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. The alternating current devices are going to have some limitations because you're going to get a lot of muscle contraction, co-contraction, where muscles on both sides fight against each other. So it'd be like if you were driving your car, hitting the throttle and the brake pedal at the same time. That's that's training the body to move like that as that signal alternates and goes back and forth, positive, negative, positive, negative. So with direct current, we're able to bypass a lot of that muscle contraction to talk more powerfully and more precisely to the nerves, the nervous system, the spinal cord, the brain. And that allows us to create these more more deeply rooted and more meaningful functional changes. So when we're when we're mapping, we'll actually take an electrode and we'll scan around on the body. And you know, going back to to this athlete with the shoulder, the what we did is we scanned around and we found spot uh, spots on the top of his shoulder, one of the the supraspinatus muscle, one of the top rotator cuff muscles. Then we went down on towards the bottom of the shoulder blade and found another another issue in the ter- one of the teres muscles, which is another of the rotator cuff muscles. And 
So the first step was identifying where exactly these these issues are present so that we know where we can stimulate, get the most bang for our buck. And then we stimulated them, sent that direct current signal there so that instead of just, you know, causing muscles to contract or doing some of these other things, we actually sent that direct current stimulation directly into the, the exact right pathways of the nervous system. And when you turn it up, it actually creates that that same guarding and protective pattern within the athlete with, or within the patient creates that same pattern. And as you apply it, it actually gives them a chance to desensitize it. It's like if you, if you go into a pool and it's, and it feels cold, but then you're in there for a couple of minutes, you kind of get used to it. You lose that, that discomfort or that sense of, of, of wanting to protect or wanting to get out of the water. Same thing. You can desensitize the nervous system, which is the, the same thing as saying retraining it to handle greater stimulus or reeducating it to allow the muscles and tissues in that area of the body to start working again. Yeah. I noticed when, you know, I have it on me at first, it's like, ah, you know, they, you get used to it. And then after you're working out for a little while, or you're sitting with it, then the operator can turn it up a bit more because now you're acclimated and you could feel it, you know, buzzing nice and strong again, you know, okay, great. It seems to be working, but if, you know, where sometimes the leads will pop off, feel it and they connect them and you're like, ah, but then it's, it's just a temporary, like, um, you know, a temporary jolt, but then you're fine. It's nothing terrible, but it's just surprising what I've noticed when I use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can be, it can be surprising. And that's, that is part of what we want because if it's, if it feels intense or, you know, it's on the edge of the comfort zone, then the brain, our brains are definitely paying attention to that. It's a novel and interesting and intense stimulus, which means there's an opportunity for response and adaptation and, you know, making these neurological changes that we're after. What's next for NuFit? So it's working, it's helping a lot of people. Are there, you know, is there any research and development going on? And what are some of the new nuances of how it's going to evolve as a tool? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. We're definitely focused on ways to improve. One of the biggest areas is the formal scientific research and, and really expanding the patient population that we can help, help new types of patients, new, new populations. And I, I alluded to some of this when I talked about some of these neurological patients. So we have a few studies going on right now with some larger hospital groups and institutions looking at the effects on, on stroke patients, on MS patients, and on neuropathy patients. And we're seeing that, at least in some of the, some of the first subjects as they're going through these studies, you know, we're seeing really cool changes functionally in terms of, you know, stroke patients regaining faster the ability to use their hand and, and regain that dexterity and coordination. Um, with neuropathy patients, we're, we're able to see now, see studies looking at, at really sophisticated EMG or, or, you know, electrical measurements of nerve activity and nerve conduction velocity. So you're measuring, like, it's like measuring the difference between a dial-up internet connection and a, a high-speed cable or Google fiber internet connection. And uh, actually measuring those changes, and we're seeing that there are real, measurable, meaningful changes happening in the nervous system. So I think that's a big one. Is you know we're we've been for the first few years with with the newbie with our product, been in that early adopter stage, and now that we're really looking to to cross over and get more mainstream adoption, and you know a lot of these studies with some larger institutional partners. I think are a big, a big part of that. And ultimately that, that, you know, is going to allow us to help more people and, and really based on what we've seen, I believe transform more lives. Yeah. I've heard for uh, 
people that want to work out there's a training mode i've tried it it doesn't it feels like you don't really feel much of it but i guess it makes the training a lot harder and the next day i'm kind of like oh that was a harder workout than i thought so i don't know can you talk about that aspect of it for athletes or people that just want to work out and improve it themselves yeah that absolutely that is a, a great application along that whole continuum and it it can be can be really valuable for people as they're overcoming an injury and trying to build that bridge back into a fitness routine or back into their sport because so many times people run into that issue of they go back and start training again and they re-injure themselves or they have a new injury pop up and it you know it can be difficult to to sustain enough training to to accumulate the long-term benefits and one cool thing, one cool application, and part of the, the special sauce in this device, for example, is being able to change the settings so that we can preferentially relax or contract muscles. And that means if you want to stretch or work on mobility or help recover after a workout or after a, an intense competition or something, that can help you do that. If you want to contract muscles and get more of a strength or muscle building type workout, it can help you do that too. So, So one application is to... Uh, put it on your muscles and create as much motor unit recruitment or, or activate as much muscle as if you were lifting heavy, but without having to lift as much weight, without having that risk of injury and getting as much load or strain on the joints. And that, you know, is really helpful for people to, to help them build that sustainable practice and be able to use it without the the risks of injury that they normally have if they're trying to push themselves in in the gym doing traditional stuff. So there's there's ways that it can, you know, really help by infusing that into a workout. It can can really add some of those benefits. And then we can also use it just to supplement other workouts to work on helping to activate certain muscles or prime certain muscles so that they're better prepared and more activated beforehand. So workouts, other workouts can be safer and more effective. So there's a lot of applications there and it's been, been cool to see in, in sports and in general fitness, you know, see how it can really help supercharge those programs. Are there uh, places on your body where you shouldn't put the new fit? <laughs> I would guess your head, but how about like your neck or other spots? Like maybe it's a stupid question, but you know, there are places again that maybe even ones that don't even make sense. Just don't put it there. It's not a good idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's definitely, definitely want to exercise caution around the, around the neck and throat. Like we don't want to create that, stimulate those receptors in there that would make someone feel like they're going to faint or pass out or, or create any spasms in the throat where someone might feel like they're choking or have, feel like they have difficulty breathing. So you definitely want to be careful around there. We, yeah, definitely, definitely be careful on the, around the head. Uh, and, you know, typically, you know, you don't want to put pads on other, uh, sensitive areas like the genitals or over any open wounds, any, any like damaged skin. You wouldn't want to stimulate directly over those, but that leaves most of the body, right? You know, that, that we can stimulate. So we do a lot of work on feet, leg muscles, hip muscles, the, the, the torso and core, upper extremity, shoulders, arms, you know, working on those. And if we are working on the neck muscles, because sometimes you need to help increase mobility or work through spasms or speed healing of, of bone, muscle, connective tissue in the neck, you know, we, we work there, but we would just do it with more cautiously and more gently and, and uh, for people using it professionally, they go through our full certification program and you know, have, the, have those, some of those safeguards built in. Yeah. What makes a good technician versus uh, just an okay one? Like what do the best technicians do that the regular ones don't? 
Ooh, that's a good question. There's a lot of layers to that one. Uh, you know, for, for us, I think that we have laid out a, a powerful way to apply these, these foundational principles of neuroscience into daily practice in rehabilitation and fitness. So, you know, I think understanding and those principles and frameworks and really being able to apply them with the person who's in front of you, being able to, to kind of follow logically the steps and understand how to interpret what you're seeing there. So I think it's, you know, it's one being open to learning and, and then two, just being diligent about applying and getting better over time. So some of it is the, you know, the growth versus fixed mindset and being willing to learn and enjoying learning and being able to take feedback because a lot of what we're looking for when we're working with the nervous system is, you know, we're working with this hypothesis or guess and check model. We're providing a stimulus neurologically to someone and then we're observing if the outputs that we get after providing that input, if the outputs are, are, are better, are they getting more range of motion, less pain? You know, are we working towards our goal or are they typically they're not worse, but you know, are they, are they worse or neutral? No change. And if, if so, then we want to try a different input until we get that positive output. And so, you know, being able to have that type of mindset is a, is a big one as well. And something that, that we've seen really allows practitioners to, to help their patients and clients. Yeah, I've noticed too, like one of the practitioners that I've had work with me, um, they put the pads far away from the site and then sometimes they'll put them right around the site. Any reason for that or what, you know, what would be the difference? Like, even if you're doing, if you're helping the same person with, let's say their ankles hurting, um, what are the different ways in which you've seen technicians apply the pads that work differently or help them more or less? Oh yeah, that's another that's another interesting topic. A lot of times, the the spots that we work might be counterintuitive or might not be what we first think they might be. And the I think the best answer or the best approach typically is to follow the results of that mapping process. Where we're taking that electrode, scanning around on the body. So if someone comes in with with uh, low back pain, for example, you know that's a very common one. Sometimes we'll find issues in the, in the muscles of the low back or the, the core muscles, the abs. Sometimes it'll be in the, the glute or like the glute maximus, the glute medius. Sometimes it'll be in a quad or a hamstring or an adductor. Sometimes it'll be in the feet. Sometimes it'll be in a lap. So we, we do want to follow the process and allow that to guide our decision-making and where we apply the, the stimulation. So uh, sometimes it'll be, it'll end up being close to, sometimes it'll be further away. And then there's, there's different, you know, logical reasoning for that also that, that you can follow the kind of follow that, that trail where sometimes if someone has low back or you, you're talking about the ankle issue, you know, sometimes someone's ankle, it might be because there's an issue in the, in the calf musculature in the lower leg that, that directly controls and stabilizes the foot and ankle. Sometimes it could be an issue, you know, down, down in the foot where there's some sort of guarding and protection in, in, or limitation in the intrinsic muscles of the foot. Sometimes it can be the foot can actually be a symptom of some sort of dysfunction in the hip. The, the, someone's gait or movement pattern is changing to compensate for a lack of flexion or internal rotation or lack of extension in their hip. And, and that ultimately is why they're getting some of these issues down in the foot or ankle. So, you know, some of it is like playing detective and figuring out where to work. And then again, following that process of we, we present this input, we try this and then see if we get the right output. And if so, great, let's do more of that. If not, then, uh, you know, then we, then we want to try something else. 
Okay, yeah, that makes sense. What, what's going to be the future of NewFit in the next couple of years? Like, are there any big, exciting developments that are coming for it? So we're definitely working on ways to improve the product, you know, working at new new features. And one of them is, you know, without without getting too far into into the secrets here, uh, uh, you know, one is definitely expanding the functionality in terms of frequencies that we can use because we found that that certain frequencies can help us preferentially stimulate uh, certain tissues and areas of the body. So we're actually working on, on an upgrade there to widen that. That's, that's the biggest one kind of top of mind right now. And then, you know, we're working on, on different ways to make it a little more portable and, uh, you know, battery powered and stuff like that too. So those are some of the, some of the things coming down the pipeline. Is there any point in years ago, I remember I tried some device that wasn't nearly as good, but it had pulsing or, you know, what if you had the, the new fit where let's say there's like four pads and two of them are in some frequency and another two are in a different frequency at the same time, would that help or would they have a beneficial effect? Yeah, that, that is. So there can be, you know, sometimes they can interfere or there's some work. There's a, a wonderful doctor who I've gotten to know a little bit in the last couple of years named, named uh, Carol McMakin and her, she teaches these wonderful courses called Fre- frequency specific microcurrent. And in their work, Dr. McMakin teaches these wonderful courses called frequency specific microcurrent. Their strategy is based on exactly what you described on using two frequencies to create this resonance effect where certain frequencies will resonate with certain tissues and preferentially deliver the energy or signal to those tissues. Just the same as if, you know, if I go out into a parking lot, my car key will only work with my car. So when I hit unlock, it unlocks my car and not the one next to it, not the other one across the parking lot, only mine. Likewise, frequencies can have a similar effect where certain frequencies can preferentially stimulate certain areas. And and yes, add, adding that sort of functionality is exactly the thing that we're working on. And, and we've seen some some value in that already. And you know, that's definitely one of the areas that we're exploring as we work to innovate and, and continuously improve. Has anyone done research to find out, okay, the liver or cartilage tends to resonate best at this frequency and ligaments at this one and muscles at this one. And, you know, perhaps within a certain area, if you want to target only ligaments or only muscles or only fascia or whatever, you can do that perhaps if you understood which frequencies affect what. Yes, there is actually work being done on on that very thing. And there's a lot of frequencies, you know, there's, there's lists of frequencies that people have and, and from, you know, from centuries ago. And we're just now seeing some research that's kind of validating that people have been using them in clinical practice and in the anecdotal realm, you know, they seem to seem to be working. And now there is more and more research validating that. I don't think there's necessarily a, you know, a peer reviewed published paper showing every frequency that's in some of these lists that we've seen, but there is, there are lists that claim to do just that, you know, have a frequency for each organ, for the liver, for the kidney, uh, for tendons, for cartilage. So those are the types of, uh, you know, some of those things that we're, that we see as part of, part of the future, part of what we wish to explore and, and learn about and have research on and, you know, definitely something that we're looking at. And, you know, it's really, it's really fascinating. And it does, there is a very firm scientific underpinning on that, that resonance effect. 
And we're, we're definitely focused more in the realm of, of pain, neuromuscular function, you know, not as much on organ function and chronic disease. That's just outside of our scope. But this type of approach, you know, it seems like may have some applications there. And it's something that I'm definitely, definitely interested in, you know, in, in following along with. And, and, you know, maybe at some point, you know, maybe, maybe we branch out into there, but there's so much to be done in, in the realm of pain and physical therapy and, and movement pattern dysfunction and physical therapy, chiropractic, sports medicine, neurological rehabilitation. I mean, there's just so much here that I also want to make sure we don't get too, too distracted either when we have a big, a big task in front of us. Well, so where can people um, experience the new fit? Do they buy one for themselves or do they go to like a physical location and then the technician does it for them? I mean, how do they get started? So the, the, in most cases, the best bet is to seek out a practitioner and work with someone. And there's a, a, good, a good way to do that is to go to our website, which is www.new.fit. It's N-E-U, like neurological, new.fit. And then uh, if you click on the, at the top, there's a four patients is a link. And then there's a provider directory. So you can click on that. And then there's a map that pops up. And if you just type, just type your city and state or zip code in there, and it'll pull up the ones closest to you. There's something that we're trying to work on. I don't know if we'll have it resolved by the time this airs, where not everyone shows up on the map. So it is best to type in your city in case that is still going on there. We're, we're working on that as we speak. Um, there's a directory there. And then some people, you know, most most people are able to go and work with somebody and, and have a, a plan of care and, and get great outcomes. For some people, if they need to have a device at home because there isn't somebody near them or they have something where they're just going to have to, you know, work on it every day, and it's, it's too difficult or just doesn't make sense to go see somebody. Uh, we do have rental and purchase options for people to use them in home. And we have physical therapists on our team that can do through telehealth, can teach people and support them in implementing it at home. So if people want to uh, check out, check that out, you know, you can reach out to us through the website, but definitely best bet is to find a practitioner first. And as of this recording, there's about 1500 certified practitioners around the wow. world. Most of them all, but, you know, 30 or 40, most of them are here in the United States. And uh, so there's, you know, a good number and, and it's growing, getting connected with more and more people. So hopefully there'll be someone near you. Well, very good. Well, Garrett, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. It's great, great talking with you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.